Hi, I'm Courtney King. And I'm Morgan King, and we're the co-founders of ORCID. And Femtech to us is developing intuitive, proactive care for all menstruators. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. Before I intro our guest, I want to tell you about some really exciting updates at Femtech Focus. First, we have migrated our virtual community to a new, more interactive platform. We moved our previously publicly available databases of Femtech startups and exits from our website to this new community. You can find the Femtech Institute, which is a self-guided women's health accelerator, to learn how to fundraise, build, and scale your company. I host weekly office hours where I would love to meet with all of you one-on-one. We have an events calendar of all the upcoming women health events around the world, and you have the ability to add yours, too. Sounds awesome, right? Well, it's free to join and only $14.99 a month if you want to unlock the FemPro perks. Join the community by going to femtechfocus.org. The second big announcement is our upcoming virtual jobs fair with our partner at the Bowdoin Group on March 23rd from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Whether you're a student looking for an internship or post-graduation work, or if you're a professional switching industries, this is a great opportunity for you. We'll have an incredible keynote interview with the Bowdoin Group about the current state of the jobs market and what skills people need to work and be successful in femtech. Then you'll have the opportunity to meet virtually in different rooms with different companies and learn about their mission and open positions. If you are a women's health company hiring, this event is for you too. Whether you are looking for interns, a co-founder, making your first official hire, scaling your team, or filling out a whole department, companies from big to small can register to have a virtual booth and meet with hundreds of the top femtech candidates around the world. Register at femtechfocus.org. Alrighty, fem fans. So today's episode, I interview Morgan and Courtney King, the co-founders of Orchid. Orchid is a period care company that provides inclusive and sustainable support to women and everyone who has a period by reshaping the way we look at menstrual care. They have a period tracking app with on-demand telemedicine and a Bluetooth-enabled purse that holds your menstrual products and reminds you when to bring it along with you so you don't find yourself bleeding in public, unprepared. Essentially, Orchid provides a modern-day solution to old-world problems. Check out their app, purse, and other offerings at Orchid.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, King Sisters. Hey, Brittany. Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) We don't always have two guests. In fact, it's very rare that we have two guests on the show even rarer, they're sisters. This is super cool. Um, where are you each both calling in from? I'm in San Diego. And I'm in Los Angeles. All right. All right. So you're at least in the same time zone. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and both of you have really awesome hair. Uh, it looks like <laughs> yeah. yours is like a fiery red. Courtney's yours has like light pink highlights in there. 
Yeah, some things are going on. Morgan <laughs> went like vibrant red, maybe a little bit more orange in the beginning about a year ago. And then maybe a month ago, I was like, maybe I'll just be Morgan for the rest of the year. We like warm tones now. Yeah, we like warm tones. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to know for real, we're both brunettes, like mm-hmm. pretty deep brunette. <laughs> yeah. I, I, similar, similar, same story here, brunette, but I like to, I like to spice it up, man. Um, well, this is, it's so fun to talk to you, to both of you uh, as co-founders of your company that we're going to get into um, but first, we always love to kick off our interviews with um, your story. You know, usually people don't, uh, you know, they don't have major in femtech. Um, you know, you know, it's not a kindergarten project that I'm going to grow up to be a menstruation innovator, right? So we'd love to hear your story, uh, especially in this unique case that your sisters. What's your story of, you know, how you got to where you are today? Like, uh, what did you study? What did you do? And then how did you end up here? Courtney, you're older, so you go first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So yeah, I'm Courtney and I am the older sister. I studied, I went to USF, University of San Francisco, and I studied communication studies and it's a long name, so just hold tight, but it's performing arts and social justice with an emphasis in dance. Um, so I, yeah, I double majored in that. And in a surprising way, they actually cross over a ton. Um, USF has a huge focus on social justice. So when Morgan and I were far, we were first having our period talks and thinking about ORCID, it just it made a lot of sense to incorporate social justice and yeah that's kind of my background I mean I think the fun part is the dance and then like the other fun more serious part is the communication and connection with others yes <laughs> really quickly because I love to get sidetracked I really do but luckily I'm pretty good at bringing us back but let's go down this rabbit hole real quick how does dance help social social justice yeah oh um Good, good question. Good, good test for me and me thinking about <laughs> how I have a degree there. Um, so <laughs> performing arts and social justice, the I think the impact there is meant to be thinking about how your body can be an, a tool, like a impetus for change. So when we inhabit our bodies more fully, we're, we're able to um, connect with others, help them connect with themselves. Um, and more thoroughly like feel and give. So in the program, there's like really specific deep examples. Like we um, we went to an old folks home, right? And we, we taught movement there, which is super gratifying um, both ways. And then uh, teaching performing arts in incarcer- to incarcerated individuals. So like going to a prison or a jail and um, you know, making, making a dance together or making a monologue and putting on a performance, like, uh, yes. So basically like performing arts dance is, it's just a very human way to interact and connect. Um, and it's hard, I think, well, within the tangent, like applying social justice in such a specific way can be really difficult. But when you start 
when you just start practicing thinking about it, you'll notice it everywhere. And yeah, the incorporation into performing arts, it just, it, it definitely changed my life. It changed the way I think about everything. I love that. I love that. I'm really big into mental wellness. And um, I, I once was inpatient for PTSD treatment and there was a, a class we had to take in, in inpatient for um, uh, like performing art trauma it had a name I'm forgetting the name of it but it was like okay be your anger and it was like what be my anger and it was like what would your anger say what would it do oh look that person that's your sadness how are you gonna you know and it was like really interesting to personify your own feelings so anyways tangent so cool love going on to <laughs> complete Morgan uh tell me your story a little bit you got this older sister she's dancing to improve the world like yeah what, what are you doing a lot to live up to honestly <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm shaking my head, but I need to verbalize it just in case no one can see me. So. <laughs> um, so I did not study dance in school. I studied business and entrepreneurship and marketing at Boston University. And I graduated in 2019. So essentially, this is my first real jobby job, nine yeah. to five-ish, if that uh-huh. it's considered in the startup world. But yeah, I think how that ties to period talk is in school, I was a part of the monologues used to be called the vagina monologues and just really was eye-opening about everyone's experiences. And so Courtney and I would talk a lot about what I was hearing and what I was going through. And it kind of rabbit holed us in the direction of orchid, I would say. Very cool. Are y'all considered Gen Z? I think I am, but I don't think you are, Courtney. (laughs) No, no, dude. Um, Yeah, I think I'm a millennial, tried and true. Um, But Morgan, I don't know. I think you're kind of a crossover. My cusp, my cusp. You might be a cusp. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just wondering because, um, you know, what we're finding in femtech is that you uh, can actually create products based on specific generations of people, right? And so like the anything menstruation has to do with Gen Z is like gender neutral. It's menstruator. It's not women. It's uh, wellness and not hygiene. Like it's uh, it's a lot of new ways to think about it. And I'm very grateful to Gen Z because it's helping me be in the middle here as a millennial convince the older boomers to give me their money. <laughs> because I'm like, I don't know if you noticed, but the next wave does not care about your labels. All right. Like if you want to stay up to date, you're going to need to drop them and listen to them. Um, so let's jump into Orchid. So what, what is Orchid? So Orchid is an intuitive and proactive cycle tracking app that also connects you to a 24 seven doctor's network. That's our spiel. Um, (laughs) it's very, you would not know how many founders I meet that cannot give me a one sentence. (laughs) What they do. (laughs) We're going on like minute two and I'm like, okay, you, you, you busted it. So good. I'm glad you have a phrase for like what you do. What is That's that? Not like? without trial and error, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what 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 does that look like in general? So, what does that business look like? What do you do? Yeah. With offer? Basically, you can download our app. It's a free download, and you can track your PMS, your symptoms, your overall like flow, whatever you're going about every single day, and that's all you have to do as a user. And then the app itself will tell you when we think, or the app thinks you should seek 
medical attention or some medical advice. And it'll connect you instantaneously, I think five minute at most wait time to talk to a real board certified doctor and you'll get help exactly when you need it. Very cool. Did you think you were going to launch a telehealth company? No. What did you think you were going to launch? Because I know we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen. We have a lot of early stage founders. Y'all are actually pretty early for me to even have you on the show, but I think you tap on a few things that I, we're going to dive into more. And I, I am using this opportunity to highlight how younger generations um, stick with me, uh, Courtney, even if you are a millennial, um, how they're thinking about women's health. Cause I think you guys think about it a little bit differently. It's really interesting how we're going to highlight the, uh, sustainability and the, you know, gender neutrality and fashion. So I'm excited to get into that. So, um, what did you originally think you were going to build with Orchid? It's, it's now since turned into, you know, having telehealth options, but what in the beginning did you think this was? So originally we were an app plus this smart case that was going to hold a day supply of any period products. And that was, that was our original model. And then basically with the, with COVID, everything got turned on its head because shipping times were prolonged and we couldn't even see the end in sight at some times. So we kind of turned to this healthcare telemedicine approach when we found the statistic that 73% of people are looking for more affordable and easier access to healthcare. And that really made us like change our, or turn our heads in a different direction and relook at what, like what kind of app we were providing and creating. And so we, we massively pivoted basically, yeah. What aspects did you keep in the beginning that you still have today? I'd say our Obviously, values. Yeah, our values, because the thing that was shaping everything we were doing, and I mean, it reflects what you are talking about, is trying to create an inclusive and accessible um, period care brand. It's just something that we were disappointed that we weren't seeing already. Tell us more about that. How do you, how, how can a period tracking app be inclusive and how are, and you don't need to, we don't, every, we love everyone in femtech. Women need all the solutions. So there ain't no haters here. So you don't need a name drop, but like, how are some apps give an example of not inclusive language or actions versus what, how you guys are thinking about it? I think it's mainly through notifications and the language overall and assuming the identity and sexuality of the person and why they're using this app. Because I mean, like for me and Courtney, we've seen a lot of peer tracking apps assume we're here because we want to get pregnant or mm. we don't want to get pregnant. And there's more to tracking your cycle than just fertility. And also when you are tracking fertility, they assume you're in a heterosexual partnership and that's not always the case. So we saw a lot of improvement to really create an inclusive space from, from the start with our app. I love that. Yeah. It's, um, I, 
love, there's a new uh, pregnancy test uh, commercial that I'm just so in love with because it finally shows uh, not only women like trying to get pregnant, but it shows some examples of like a girl in her college room and she's thinking, no, I don't even know what I would do. And she's holding the pregnancy test, you know? And then there's a scene with a businesswoman and she's like, maybe one day, but not now. And she's waiting for her test to finish. Um, and I was like, yes, like not everyone who buys a pregnancy test is super excited. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, most of the time we're buying that shit being like, oh, oh, <laughs> like, you know, so um, it is, it is really interesting and important to make sure we're highlighting all the other reasons that why we need to track or test stuff. Um, so you have, um, you know, you want to create these fully sustainable menstrual products. Tell me more about the negative effects of menstrual products on the environment. Yeah, Corey and I deep dived into this. So interrupt me if the tangent gets too long, but there's so many negative effects of menstrual products on the environment. I mean, right off the educate bat. Educate us, Morgan, yeah, educate yeah. us. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm really excited. Big note, listeners, she's ready to <laughs> rattle. <laughs> so in a lifetime, a single menstruator will use anywhere between 5,000 and 15,000 pads and tampons. And that's, I think that's according to National Geographic. And pads and tampons obviously use plastic and a lot of non-compostable materials. And these materials take anywhere between 500 and 800 years to fully decompose. I don't even know if it's fully, but to decompose. And even after they do end up in landfills, they break down into microplastics and microplastics then contaminate oceans and rivers and even our water supply. So it's just this full cycle of negative effects. And just like just looking at tampons, if you were to flush a tampon and an applicator down a toilet, that you can, should not do. <laughs> should not do that. <laughs> I used to do that as a kid all the time. Um, but I changed. So, but if you do flush tampons and applicators on the toilet, it can really harm the, a whole ecosystem because tampons take about 20 years to break down in marine environments and they can cause health complications and possibly even death when ingested by animals. And they can really mess up sewer systems and super messy and super sad. Do yeah. you know, so I am... Um literally up till I founded Pentic Focus, <laughs> I was flushing tampons down the toilet. Like no one told me, I didn't know. I put the wrapper and the applicator in the trash can, but I didn't think to put my soggy blood filled cotton ball thing with a string into that little metal thing Same. basket with understand. a brown bag yeah. in it. And I, cause I, I just imagined some woman who English was in her first language working fucking three jobs and she's coming in there and she has to pick up a bag of my bloody table like I thought that that was like that was very unsanitary is what I thought so I flushed the the tampon throughout the plastics but it was and then I, I started this podcast and I started to learn and people were like oh never flush it I'm like well news to me didn't know that do you yeah. guys know where the tampon goes once it's flushed like I guess it goes into a sewer system right but like what is that journey? <laughs> like, feel like uh, we need to create a, a, a caricature or like a, a map 
you know, like a graphic of like, where does yeah. it go? I want to see the know? whole cycle. Yeah, where, I want to see. Yeah. It I don't know anything about the sewage system. I don't know how it works. So yeah, Courtney and I, our next research project is going to be sewer systems. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan used to call me every time she found a new sad fact about menstrual products. Yeah. Um, and how unsustainable they are. I She uh, would call me and she'd be like, I just need to tell you. <laughs> I need to ruin your day too. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really, Ugh. it can be very depressing, but uh, it it's constantly uncovering more research that needs to be done and more changes that need to be implemented. Um, yeah. And when we started thinking about making our own products, like the tampons and the cups in the future, Ooh. I think all of those things went into Morgan's spec. Um, Morgan. I got I mean, more facts about menstrual cups. If yeah. You Morgan's like, I do. <laughs> I want them. It. Okay. <laughs> So there is light at the end of the tunnel, I would say. Like, um, menstrual cups actually are estimated to have less than 1.5% environmental impact of disposable period products. So, and it's because it's made of silicone and silicone is derived from, I think it's pronounced silica, which is like this type of sand. And when it breaks down and decomposes, it goes back into its original state. So it's just, it just goes back into a Yay, silicone. Yeah. And it's like super abundant and it's not even hazardous to the environment because I like, we were finding that all these sustainable options still kind of hurt the environment somehow, mm-hmm. but it seems like menstrual cups are pretty, pretty cute, pretty fun. Sweet. Nice. I love that. Do you guys have, um, to wrap up our sustainability as we uh, conversation, as I enter some other questions I have for you, um, do you have some ideas about like alternative materials? Like, do you guys think you're going to R and D your own sustainable materials or is there research out there that you're going to be like tapping into in terms of sustainability? Because, you know, admittedly y'all are not the first sustainable tampon or pad company. There's uh, several others. And so are you going to be partnering? Are you looking into established stuff? Are you guys guys going to try to discover some alternative material? Ooh, I think to be more realistic, probably partnering up just because we're small, we're really tightly funded too. And so partnering and just taking all resources and combining seems way more helpful and impactful. And yeah, I love that answer. I love that answer because, you know, I don't think people think talk enough about like, um, uh, like, um, option overload, like there's so many things now and women have to sort through it and all this stuff. And it's like, can we make her life easier? Her life is already complicated. How do we make it easier? You know, presenting 20 different tampons with slightly different compositions is maybe not the right move for her. Yeah. Um, interesting. Awesome. Well, if anyone out there wants to partner, call up Orchid, they are looking (laughs) for partnerships. Um, uh, so one thing I wanted to talk to y'all about is that you have this super cute little purse that is Bluetooth enabled and it tells your phone when to like, when your period's coming or when to take your pill, tell us more about this, this Bluetooth enabled purse. It's so cute. It's really stylish. So tell me more about that. And why did you think that that was something a menstrual company needed? So I have another stat, but basically <laughs> I'm the stat yeah, person. In I this, love data. We love data. <laughs> in this sisterhood, but 
We found this statistic called Murphy's Law of Menstruation, which states that 86% of menstruators have started their period unexpectedly without the products they needed in public. And Courtney and I were just kind of, I don't know, brainstorming something. And that's kind of where the, the smart case came about, which would hold a day supply of your period products and... Um, I think it was made, it's made out of fully water-based polyethylene. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> compostable materials. Um, you go. <laughs> it has a zinc alloy zipper. Basically it can, uh, biodegrade in a landfill in, is it 10 years, Morgan? Two years. Oh. Two, years. two, two years. Yeah. Scratch that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and when you say smart case, um, we've had several other people on the show where it literally is like a little rectangle that your pills live inside of. But you, when you say smart case, you're actually meaning the whole little purse that has the ability to signal to your phone and say, hey, ding, 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 make sure you're packing your tampons today. Your period's coming. But it also is a purse that can hold other stuff, right? Yeah. Yes. Your wallet, your keys, kind of all Crystals, of the essentials. Chocolate, all the things. <laughs> no, <laughs> a used it. chapstick. Condom, <laughs> that old chapstick that you never used but always want on hand. <laughs> <laughs> hand sanitizer, all the things that we keep. Our purses are endless holes of everything. Um, yeah. Did, uh, what is people's feedback with the purse? Do they actually find it to be useful? Like it reminds them, like, tell me. Mm-hmm. We found it was more useful for first-time period users um, yeah. because it it taught you the habit of how to prepare and organize for your period. Yeah. Whereas older, like I think thirty-year-olds plus, were like, "I know how to handle my period," and I'm yeah. we're like, we're "Like you do, you just use you your do." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and we actually sold out, so no one can buy it right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, we saw some semblance with the, with the younger crowd. Yeah. Do you think that's something you'll target is, um, cause we've actually had people on the show say like, I wish there was more companies starting targeting first time periods and, you know, teaching and kind of handholding through that experience. Do you think that's a market segment that's underserved that you might target more? Definitely. Um, I think so yeah, especially because a lot of our early conversations between Morgan and me we're honestly just reflecting on what it was like having a period when we were in high school, middle school, high school. I mean, in college, you're semi getting a like a hold on it. But I just feel like we made so many mistakes for so long and it took so long to get the full picture, right? Like, like how many times did we bleed through our underwear, our pants onto our math seat? Uh, how many times do you leave your house? You're in the middle of your day. You knew you were on your period and you have to buy new products and they're probably the products that are like affordable. So they're shitty. Um, and all of a sudden you have like a uh, bathroom cabinet filled with freaking <laughs> 200 tampons. Cause you, you don't really like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so you're like, okay, is this going to happen again next month? Most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it's definitely a place where re-education or like unlearning a bunch of stuff can happen. Um, I think of like sex ed, even flushing down the toilet. Like I did not, whether they did or didn't tell me that it did not like cement in my brain. I 
I was like, what are you talking about? Because I thought of it similarly. I was like, are you sure that's more hygienic, putting it in that little metal box? Um, but then again, like, yeah, if I did have even a very simplistic watered down paragraph in front of me being like, if you do flush it down, this is what happens. I'd be like, oh, I see the repercussions. I will not be doing that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think there's more areas for fashion and health to cross over? Because I think this is a really interesting, like, here's a purse. It's fashionable. It's not shameful. It's not like hiding your, it's like, Hey, this is my period purse and I have everything I need in it. Right. And it's empowering. Do you think there's other areas in women's health and wellness that could use fashion to support it? Yeah. I, I mean, short answer. Yeah. Basically I think there's been like a, I think the stigma behind menstruation, at least in Gen Z is like is dissipating. And so making it a statement that you're menstruating is kind of similar to making a fashion statement. And Mm -hmm. so I think expressing yourself through both menstruating and fashion would be kind of cool and exciting. And I can see that happening. Yeah. We're like, you only wear a red dress or something like, yeah. Or meet someone who's like, I wear red on my period, like I remember her solidly. Cool. Yeah, she's very, <laughs> very cool. Um, but and it's not a Gen Z necessarily example. But I think Cora has a necklace that you can put a tampon in it, and I, I just love that. Like it, it does show, it shows your period in such a prideful way. Yes, and beauty. Mm-hmm. right it's it's beautiful it's not only like that mm-hmm. I'm not shameful of it but I love it yeah kind it's of, elegant right? yeah mm-hmm. oh that's so fun I love that um you know there's a company called Crave and they make sex toys and they have a a necklace that's also a vibrator and um, oh it's really fashionable and it's it's kind of fun to like wear it hold it up and be like this touches my clit at night. Like, <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> Love that. I think I just, it, it was probably Crave. I was just talking to my friends about um, kind of the surge in very aesthetically pleasing sex toy companies. Like they're ones that you can literally put on your desk and no one, maybe no one knows, yeah. but if they do know, they're like, hey, it's a very cute, vibrator (laughs) just have it as a little statue on your desk Mm -hmm. that's fine yeah yeah that's interesting um so you guys said that you are in collaboration with operation period what is that and tell us about your uh collaboration um operation period is a nonprofit based out of portland and yeah we reached out to them the founder manju and i have we just had like multiple conversations then we landed on a partnership super exciting it's about a year long and we're hosting on the second friday on the second friday of every month an instagram live and we'll be having a chat with someone about basically the crossover between menstrual health and menstrual justice like where that intersection happens and our goal our mission is to basically like raise up and shine a light on menstrual freedom, which is a term coined by Operation Period and showcase the voices, the people that are pushing that movement forward. So it's, yeah, it's a place of um, community and education. 
I love that. I am always preaching the femtech trifecta is, uh, you know, the most successful femtech companies have three things. They have a great product or service, they have community, and they have education. So I love that y'all are collaborating to do those other two parts. Not that you don't already have potentially educational things and community, but I think that founders try to take it all on themselves and it's hard enough to build a business selling one product with one SKU, <laughs> you know, but to grow a virtual community and provide webinars. And it's like uh, partnering with that nonprofit. I'm sure they're so excited to have extra hands and brains and energy in the mix too. So listeners, don't forget to collaborate. Like this is the most collaborative industry I've ever met. I have like the lack of NDAs is honest in my eyes, beautiful. Um, some people may, a lawyers just right now, just probably threw up in their mouths. They were like, <laughs> no confidential agreements, but like, that's how femtech operates is that we all know we need each other in order to be really successful. Um, we're yeah. a very feminine energy, right? The collaboration, the community part. So that, that's really cool. Um, what do you think is next for Orchid? Ooh, I think, so we're in the middle of creating app. 2.0 essentially, which is just going to be a, a bigger and better version of our app. And it's going live in March. And, but in the meantime, I think speaking of community, Courtney and I really wanted to create a two-way conversation with users and potential users. And so we've opened up our beta testing link to the whole public. And we super encourage Anyone who wants to join us and give feedback, we listen to everything anyone says. Um, anything. One person was like, I want to track the mood of whether or not I'm in love. And so you can now track if you are in love in our app. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my we God. Think it's, we think it's utterly adorable. Um, oh, I love that because real, I, okay. Sorry. You're talking to a lady who can really dive into this. We need to get some wine and talk about because, <laughs> Uh, you know, I know my, a lot of my listeners know I was a previous founder and my company was Faramore, which is a DNA based dating app. And, um, we actually internally talked a lot about matching people with, uh, based on your pheromones, but your pheromones actually, actually your cyclical spec for women. Um, oh, wow. where our pheromones are just like pumping out to the world when we're ovulating, like the two days before, and then the three to four days after, um, also corresponds to full moon. So I'm, I don't, I don't menstruate. I'm on a birth control that lets me not. And so I kind of, um, relate to the moon. Um, but you know, it, that is the week you should be dating. You should be having sex and going out yeah. <laughs> and buying that dress you want to wear and pitching and closing big deals and getting that contract. Cause not only is like, I believe personally believe the universe is like in your favor, but literally on a biological level. So like everyone who's like, Brittany's gone on a woo woo train. I'll bring it back for you real quick here <laughs> that when sperm enter your vagina and they're crossing the cervical barrier into your uterus there's an egg, there's an egg, but it's only in one tube. It's either left or it's right. And how the hell do the sperm know which way to go? They know it from pheromones. There's actual molecules that are emitted by the egg saying, come here, come here. I'm in the left tube or I'm in the right tube. 
And that's how the sperm know which way to go. It's energy. It's real biological energy. Now you don't have to, you know, be trying to get pregnant to use this to your advantage. You don't also don't even necessarily need the egg per se in the fallopian tube, but your body is emitting attraction is emitting come here messages, right? On a, it's supposed to be for your sperm, the sperm and knowing which way to go, but you can use that to your advantage in the world. And so I'm just like really on this kick right now. Like how do you project manage based on where you are in your cycle to honor your body, whether it's, you should be resting, creating, pitching, closing deals. Like, um, anyway, so I'm on like a tangent right now about that. I love it. No, I I really like so much. Stay there. Yeah. I, I mean, on our social media, speaking of like education, it's the, the things that we find have most, most resonance are when like, we're focusing on the phases of the cycle and how to, to not like, um, I don't know, but okay. What's the word? Essentially like you're working with your phases. So like amplifying whatever phase you're in. So it benefits you the most. So that, that can like literally be anything like what foods you eat, what exercising function you don't or do at like, and if it's, Dude, I'm gonna do a pheromones one. Thank you yeah. for the inspo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So my, my cluttered response down the hole. to that. We're climbing back out the hole. <laughs> so so sperm, fun. So creepy. You know what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the sperm. Come here. But I, I like to imagine it's me doing that to like investment. Come here, money. Come here. Goals in my life you know, like, <laughs> uh, come on over. So, uh, but, uh, so exciting. This has been a really great conversation. Uh, we have two last questions that our listeners really love. The first one is, um, you know, we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs. So what's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Um, taking it from at least the world that we live in within Orchid. So femtech, telehealth, and menstrual and reproductive health. Um, there are so many places that need innovation. Um, thinking of the life cycle of a menstruator, perimenopause and menopause need more attention. Um, specifically within menstruation, endometriosis, fibroids, PCOS, like that is all that needs more attention. It needs more people who have those conditions like at the front of leadership. Um, what else? Ooh, someone needs to revolutionize sex ed. Just do yeah. it. Um, and yeah. I mean, Morgan and I will like, let's collaborate on that if you calling for another collaboration. But yeah, sex ed definitely needs some sort of not even 2022 upgrade, like future upgrade. Yeah, like we're we're like in the 1930s. <laughs> we need like, can we at least get to the 90s? Can we at least um, get to 1990? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I listened um, to your episode with um, Coral mm-hmm. with, and I think that the, she was like, it's not even some sex ed classes around the nation are not even like legitimized. Like they're not fact checked. I think which, it's, it's at least over 50% are not required to be like scientifically sound in their sexual education material. And it's like, wait, what, how, we shouldn't be teaching anything in schools that are not scientifically sound, right? Like nothing we teach children should not be false and knowingly false, you know? The 
this should start a this should definitely start a fire in anyone who's like looking to get into the femtech world absolutely yeah i think we used to talk a lot more about the need for sex ed i found a lull lately actually so thank you for bringing it back up to the top here (laughs) i think one of the more um it's one of the harder things i think because it has to do with children and parents because the parents are kind of there on like the school boards and the stuff so it's kind of both and then also like you're supposed to you know, I feel like um, one of the best ways is to actually empower the parents to talk to the kids about it, right? Rather than like, let's make an army of teachers and strangers to go out and tell kids about their vaginas. Like we should empower parents on how to have those conversations regardless of their lack of conversation. Uh, But so you're dealing with students and a parent and school systems and religion and Mm. government. It's like a messy, messy problem. Right. Um, and so I, uh, I, I commend anyone who's taking that on. I think it's awesome, but it's hard. It's really hard. But one of the things that I find most encouraging is if we can empower kids and adolescents to know more about their bodies and what things are called, and y- then we're actually empowering them with uh, consent and we're empowering them about knowing what's right and what's wrong, because so often we, um, we learn from porn and porn has its place in time, but um, if that's your only reference for what women like, that's why Cindy Gallup started Make Love Not Porn, because as she was getting older, she and she's very publicly open about she likes younger men. As she was getting older, the young men that she was sleeping with were becoming more and more aggressive. And she was like, why do you, why do they all think I want to be choked? Why are they doing that? Like, I don't want to be choked. Like, what are they doing? And then she realized like, oh my God, this generation of men learned it from porn. Like, so anyways, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's something uh, we absolutely need more support in. Morgan, what do you think? Do you have any thought, additional thoughts or was that pretty much, uh, is that, you, you agree? That's where we need the most innovation? Completely agree, yeah. Cool. Well, how about you answer our last question, Morgan? What do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? I think funding for sure but funding for more women and non-binary people in leadership roles. I think significantly most companies are funded by male-run companies. And I think mainly because of venture capitalists are overwhelmingly men. I think more than 90% are the quote-unquote decision makers are men. Yep, yep. And so I would love to see some more female-founded startups in the future. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that I think, I don't know why I'm like faltering in my brain between 25% and 75%. 75 seems really huge, but maybe that's what it is of, uh, general partners of venture funds are graduates are MBA graduates from Stanford and Harvard. And it's like, how do we have a whole industry where all the decision makers are from two schools? <laughs> Talk about a pipeline problem. Yeah. Cause you got one pipeline. That's your problem. You yeah. got one. <laughs> like, yeah. That just insane. sounds suspicious to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and people say, well, Britt, why, how did you get into venture? And I said, honestly, I was inspired because I worked for a fund and I thought investors were financial geniuses. And then I fundraised and then I, you know, I fundraised from them then I became an investor and I was behind those closed doors. And then I heard them and I got to know them. And I was like, y'all, y'all are just bros. Like somebody gave you $50 million to play with. Like, 
oh cool apparently i'm overqualified like i didn't realize cool yeah yeah funding funding 100 have yeah. you all fundraised slowly it's kind of scary <laughs> it is scary i think we're also trying to be right really particular about who we connect with right yeah. one because we want to maintain control about like the mission and the direction of what we're doing um but two because uh, I mean, reflecting on this, like we want to make sure that it's women, non-binary people and menstruators that are in the room, like overwhelmingly. And as we said, like the percentage is not completely in our favor. Yep. You know, it's less than one half of 1%. So like 0.5% of all accredited women in the United States have actually written an angel check. Oh my God. Less than half of 1%. So yeah, I know it's crazy. And I mean, it's because we weren't taught about it. In fact, we were told to don't talk about money, save money, be worried about not having money and be, you know, don't be reckless with money. Um, and also, you know, by the way, we're never even going to teach you how to do anything with it. So of course you're going to be scared and discord it. Right. Or mm -hmm. you'll donate it out of your heart, but not out of your, like a business strategy. Right. And they're going to judge you for what you spend it on. I mean, yes. And society <laughs> says, oh, you reckless lady, you like you went and bought that car or this or that. And like, how dare you transport yourself from A to B? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. So unfortunately, a lot of it lands on the founders to also be financial advisors to their own investors to educate them on how to invest. And it's like so much pressure on the founders. Um, so, Anyways, ladies, this has been awesome. You are fantastic sisters in uh, in a great industry that I'm I'm excited to see where you could take your company next. Thank you for having us, Brittany. This Thank you amazing. so much. Thank you for listening to my interview with Morgan and Courtney King, the co-founders of Orchid. Download their app and get your perfect birth control and period purse at orchid.com. Alrighty, Fem fans, don't forget to register for our jobs fair happening on March 23rd from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Join our new virtual community and become a FemPro member for only $14.99 a month to access all of our assets of the FemTech community like our databases and self-guided FemTech Accelerator. Please consider supporting FemTech Focus by giving the show a five-star review and becoming a monthly donor to our organization. Subscribe to our newsletter and know all the new events coming up. All this can be done at femtechfocus.org. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.